Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Most couples are in love on their wedding day. So if love is all you need, then why has the divorce rate hovered just below 50% for years? Now, some of these couples actually do reach out for help. Unfortunately, when they do, the focus is often on the other person. And what many people don't understand is that relationships are reciprocal. You often get out what you put in. So when there is trouble in paradise, figuring out what part you play is often more effective than focusing on what your partner is doing. This is true no matter whether the issue is communication, finances, or intimacy. Studies show that the amount of sex couples are having has dropped off relatively dramatically, and this creates hurt, frustration, and often resentment. But there is a way out. Psychotherapist and intimacy specialist, Debbie Marielle Elzia is here to help. So Debbie, thanks for coming on the show and talking about this topic of intimacy, sex, what it means in relationships. How do we get more of it? Why are we not having it? And all those wonderful other things that we can cover in 30 minutes. I know each of these is a a major topic on its own. Thanks for having me, Leslie. So I will let you direct with the questions. Okay. So you work with a lot of women around intimacy, sex, all that stuff. So what have you learned about what's going on with couples in the intimacy department and what is making it so darn difficult? Well, you, you you can see a lot of these challenges come down to male-female differences. And while you can't say, oh, all men and all women, you could say that most men and most women, we know we've, we, a lot of Mm -hmm. our challenges, both in relationship and certainly in the bedroom come from the fact that we are wired differently, right? We, you know, like men have different values for the most part, you know, they, they, they desperately want to feel respected and admired by their woman, the woman she desperately wants to feel cherished and special and chosen by her man, you know, emotional connection. So that, you know, is is a, a fundamental difference that couples need to understand. And then there's these huge numbers of differences when it shows up in the bedroom, because we are not only made so different, you know, they have <laughs> Audis and we have innies, right? <laughs> they, we are estrogen dominant and they are testosterone dominant. We are cyclical, our emotions ebb and flow. They have testosterone. They produce millions and millions of sperm every day and often feel their sex drive as a hunger. Um, then we have cultural conditioning on top of it. Men are encouraged to be, you know, studs, women, good girls don't. Then we have the terrible influence, in my opinion, of pornography, which, you know, most people are hooked on by the time they're teenagers. Yeah. And so that's the way they think things are done. So we've got all these, you know, differences that come upon our different cultural conditioning, our biologies, our anatomies and such. And they show up no place stronger than in the bedroom. Do you hear me? You're laughing. Oh, I know. Because I mean, it's, as you're saying this, I've, I've always talked about sex as the co- I mean, between between a man and a woman is the cosmic joke. It's like, 
you know, it's like the Truman Show where somebody's decided, yeah, let's go, let's go check out the Dory's household and have a really good laugh as these two try to navigate all this stuff. Because, you know, it, it's, it's the biological differences. It is, you know, we're, we're in this idea, you know, in this, in this phase of society where busy is, is a badge of honor. And so, you know, there, there's, we're not taking time to be with each other. Um, we're, it, it's almost like we're trying to fit in sex, you know, in 10 minutes or less, which for most women, that's not going to be particularly enjoyable. Um, you mentioned pornography, which um, is pervasive and, you know, and it's interesting because for a long time, I wasn't sure it created a problem. And then I realized that what it does is it gives you memories that are, or that don't have anything to do with your partner. I mean, even, even if you're using it as a, as a couple, as an enhancement, you can't get those visual, you can't get those visuals out of your head. So you know, it's like, wh oh, yeah. what are we supposed to do? What, I mean, you know, how, do, how does a couple move forward with all of right. this? Well, you said it's a cosmic joke how, you know, men and women are different in sexuality and such, but it's also an, a cosmic opportunity mm. because the sexual bond is so powerful, mm -hmm. right? We get, yeah. in, we get filled with love hormones, right? If we have a good lovemaking session, suddenly for days afterwards, we feel more fondness for each other, more love, more attraction. So it's a great opportunity. And it really, this bond really needs to be nurtured and cherished because it's the only thing we really cannot get from another person. We can't get it from another friend, a family member. And we have pledged lifelong fidelity to this partner. We mm. are sexual beings and we are now dependent on our beloved to bring out this ex most expressive part of ourselves. So if we are not enjoying our sex lives and our bond together, we have squandered this opportunity to really live life on a higher level. Well, and you mentioned that you mentioned about this, this deeper connection that we get and provided that you, that, that, that somebody is by nature monogamous, because not everybody is, but I think probably the majority of people are monogamous. And then if they aren't getting that intimacy and connection met in, in that relationship, it's really painful. I've, I've actually worked with a couple of men who love their wives, adore their wives, want to be physically intimate with their wives and their wives don't want any part of it. And they basically just tell the guy, well, either go take care of yourself or go have an affair. And these guys, don't, they don't want an affair. They don't. I mean, so hurtful. Oh, it, it is, is. So hurtful. So I feel so I feel such so so much sympathy uh, for both men and women who are in this situation. I was in a sex starved marriage for almost a decade. So I know what it's like to be an untouched woman. Mm. And so I feel for these men. And you know, the woman thinks, well, I have perfectly good reasons for not being in the mood. I'm stressed out. I'm busy. It's mm -hmm. not you, it's me. I'm right. the one that feels fat, or I'm in a and the you know, my moody at this time of month. And she all these reasons that we have, which seem like good reasons to us. But your man hears this as, I don't love you. I don't care about you. I don't find you sexy or desirable. 
take your sexual needs and go get them, you know, else. I mean, that's, that's a license to cheat. My goodness. That's totally putting your marriage at risk, right? Because the bond, he could fall for that other person. So it's just, to me, sounds foolish to say, go meet your needs elsewhere. But you know, I mean, it's a, it's a huge rejection for the person that's rejected, no matter what gender they are. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you talk about the bond, you know, sex being bonding, you know, this is a slight issue that I have with the quote unquote hookup culture. Um, Because yes, can can you have can you have a one night stand with somebody and not become attached to them? Of course, but if you're having sex with somebody, you know, multiple times, then you there is that oxytocin bonding hormone that's released at orgasm, and so you're actually when you're having this physical relationship with somebody you are also opening yourself up to have that emotional relationship. And I'm thinking that maybe people don't understand that. So would you talk a little bit about how that works? Yeah, deliberately only work with married women for that reason, because we cannot assume that in a dating or hookup environment that that partner has your best needs in mind, has your, has your best interests in mind. So, and I, and my philosophy is women need emotional connection. Mm. We need to feel safe. We want to feel cherished. We want to be able to relax with our lover. How can you do that in hookup culture? Unless you're drunk, let's face it. I mean, there's a lot of substance abuse going on in there. So I I've actually limited who I worked with to a married woman, because we can only assume like a husband who has put a ring on you and has had pledged lifelong fidelity to you has a much better chance of having your best interests in mind than someone you're dating that could ghost you at any moment. Right. And, you know, and, and in the hookup culture, it's, it's basically, I'm going to get you know, I'm going to make myself feel good. I'm not necessarily interested in making you feel good. So there's that disconnect. But I, I, I do think, and again, you were talking about these physiological differences and, the, you know, and the way we're wired. And I do think that I, and I'd love for you to talk about how that shows up um, in for lack of a better word, good lovemaking. I mean, because the, the physical act itself is relatively simple and straightforward, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it is a really feels good or is a real, or is a real moment of connection. That requires some other kind of energy, doesn't it? I know what you're getting at. And that's like, how are men and women different in this way? And, and some key areas are, Well, look at some key differences. The typical sexual encounter, male, female, the woman is struggling to orgasm while the man is struggling not to. (laughs) And often they both fail, right? Right. Talk about being made differently. Um, So how do we slow the pace that makes it so they're both likely to be satisfied and such? How do we bring in skills and tenderness and emotional connection. So the woman feels actually safe and cherished, which is often key to her pleasure. And a lot of things that are too surrounding that the woman has a lot of responsibility to put herself in a place where she actually can be turned on. If we are all up in our heads and we are stressed and we are thinking about work, housework, kids, our man would have to be a magician to turn (laughs) us on. Right. What can we do to relax and get ourselves in the right space, the mindset space that we actually are receptive to being made love to? 
Right. And, and the, for most of us, I'm not going to say all, but, but for a lot of women that takes, that takes more time than is usually allotted. You know, it's the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. And it's you know, 10 o'clock at night and we all both have to be up early. So that's not really conducive to really relaxing and, and getting into it. And, and I love that you talk about the sense of safety, because I think a lot of people don't understand that that's biological, that, you know, because women can get pregnant and they can die in childbirth, uh, you know, back in the day, because our bodies really haven't caught up with modern technology, but women still die in childbirth today. So this, you know, so our bodies have this way of making sure that we are safe, that it is a, um, a, that we're with somebody who we know is going to be there. Right. I mean, that's kind of, and, and, and I, I think mean, we, it, it takes two to raise children to the age where they can survive on their own. So women are looking for certain qualities in a man, and that is his commitment to her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it all plays out because, you know, we, we think we're all past this and, and, and in certain ways we are, but our bodies haven't changed in in a hundred thousand years. Um, We're still wired the same way. And so it does create, you know, and, and, and I think that there's so much misunderstanding. It isn't necessarily that people don't want this. I think they just are really confused about how to make it work better. Don't you think? What's your question? Uh, well, just about just about whether or not you know that there's that there are things that people can learn about the, this quote unquote natural act of having sex, being intimate. Right. Well, part of it is uh, a big part of it is is female sexual pleasure is a, a relatively new thing. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, female sexuality has always been in procreation, mm-hmm. right, in service of a man or Mm -hmm. something to be repressed, right? Because of the risk of childbirth and, you know, on, um, you know, children without parents and things like that. So it's always been those three things. And it's not really until the birth control pill Mm -hmm. has female sexual pleasure as a, as an end in itself been celebrated, been a thing, been sought after. So it's only a couple generations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we've actually come really far, really fast. (laughs) Yes. And there's, you know, and, and again, I think we think because it's natural that therefore it's easy and everybody can just, you know, go, go have a great time. This is happily ever after is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking about the importance of intimacy in marriage with psychotherapist and intimacy specialist, Debbie Marielle Elzia. And if this is an issue in your relationship, it can really be damaging but it doesn't have to stay that way. So if you're ready to increase the passion and connection in your marriage, I can help. I invite you to take a moment and get in touch with me and schedule your free, no obligation, five-star relationship session. You can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. Or you can send me an email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in Charlie.com. 
And so I want to get back to this conversation. We're going to open it up a little bit away from strictly the sex part and into that very important component about what the relationship looks like, because that really plays a role in what's going on in the bedroom. Um, so Debbie, what is it that women get wrong about their role and what's happening in their marriages? Um, I think that they don't understand that their man is kind of simple. Like I just said, your job is harder than mine, Leslie, because you work with men on pleasing <laughs> women and I work with women on pleasing men. And I'd say men are, are pretty simple, right? For most cases, what does your man want? He wants his woman to be happy and in a good mood, mm -hmm. right? It's a badge of honor for a man that his woman is happy. He is magnetically drawn to you when you are in a good mood. And you know what? There's not that much he can do about it again. What, but what we can do to boost our mood and lower our stress levels largely falls upon us. So take responsibility for, you know, taking care of yourself and getting what you need in your own happiness levels and things like that and show up, you know, more cheerful and in a good mood and, and watch how things fall in place. Well, then it's funny you should mention that because the, the first question I usually ask my clients is, what do you want? And almost to a man, they tell me, I want my wife to be happy or I, or I want to make my wife happy. And I'm going, that's great, but you can't do that. <laughs> I mean, yes, there are things that you can do to make that much more likely. And, you, you know, I mean, and but she's got to choose that she wants to be happy. And I know from personal experience, because I can be in a really crappy mood. And when my husband comes home and we start interacting, he can put, not, not by doing anything other than just by being himself, he can usually pull me out of it. And I don't know if he, he's pulling me out of it or if I'm just making a choice. But anyway, I, you know, I, my interaction with him is usually positive enough that it gives me the opportunity, but, but I have to be at least willing to, to go there and, and, you know, stop being in a snit about whatever it is I'm in a snit about. So I hear you. Um, so a lot of women then think that they'll be happy once their man changes. Right? Oh. They think the key to their happiness is that their man must change. So I help them understand that your man doesn't have to be like you. He's not like you. He's no. not a big hairy woman who is misbehaving. <laughs> yeah. He's actually a man. And if you want to get the best out of your man, treat him the way a man wants to be treated. And men frequently, they want to be respected. They want to be admired by their women. They don't want to be mothered, nitpicked. Mm right? Told uh -huh. what to do, but they are, you know, they want to be seen as strong and competent. So how do you build up your man? Because that enables you to get the most out of him, to get the best out of him. So instead of trying to change him, you actually change how you relate to him and you bring out your best selves. Does that okay. make sense? Yes. But I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a minute. Yeah. Um, but because again, as I said in the beginning, relationships are reciprocal and they're a reflection of what both people are putting in. So I need to preface that. But I can hear lots of women saying, why is it my job to make him feel like a man? Well, what choice do you have by making him feel like less than a man? How's that working out for you? Well, yeah, well there is that. I'm, I'm right there with you with the answer of that question. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I don't know, 
God, probably 20 years, 15 years ago, maybe Glamour did, the magazine Glamour did this article um, about, that basically said that 30% of women knew on their wedding day that they were making a mistake and they went through with it anyway. So again, there's that. But that leaves 70% of us who didn't think we were making a mistake on our wedding day. And frequently we still end up in the same place because I think we're doing things differently than when we were first together. I've always, yeah, I've always played this game of how did like, we go from it's all about my partner and what I can do to make my partner's life easier and better to what, if, what has my partner done for me lately? It's that, it's that shift that yeah. we go through. In my, coaching, I, in my coaching, I refer to that as be your husband's girlfriend. Remember that wonderful energy you had when you were courting and, you know, we showed up sweet and sexy and, and flirty and playful. And he manned up and wanted to be our man and put a ring on it and all that stuff. What happened to that energy? When uh. we started to have kids, we turned into a mother and now we're not interested in sex. We are mothering our man instead of being his girlfriend anymore. Um, you know, we're trying to change him, right? Last time a woman changed a man, he was a baby. <laughs> so, you know, so we have to appreciate our differences. If he was a good man when we married him, he's still a good man. But if we don't treat him the way he's craving, he probably shows up nasty. He's not, try, you know, he may have given up even trying if we have a, a unpleasant relationship. So if he, if you married a good man and things turn bad, it's the relationship and uh -huh. then change it back. Uh -huh. That's how you get it back by changing back to boyfriend, girlfriend energy again, becoming lovers uh. and getting that oxytocin and those bonding hormones flowing. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's interesting that you talk about that because the one of the other things that a lot of my clients say is that they feel like they can never do anything right or good enough for their wives. And so, you know what? Um, and so frequently they do just give up because if they're going to be in the doghouse anyway, why put forth the effort? And, you know, I mean, and, and again, we're focusing on what we're not getting, which by the way, is perfectly human, um, but not necessarily productive if we want to be in a loving relationship, you know, and cause, cause that's the, that's the other thing I get from my clients. And I don't know if you get it from yours about, well, why do I have to do that? It's like, well, you don't have to, but if you want something different, then you might want to try something different. Yeah. You know, we have a negativity bias where we're looking at the, the negatives of our partner. I mean, we could ruin our day over socks on the floor, right? <laughs> Instead of like appreciating all the things that we have in our lives, thanks to this person who is a good provider, a good father, a good person, a, you know, all these things, but we're focused on this proverbial socks on the floor, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So we need to let those things go. And how do we do it by focusing on the positive? And so do you have any suggestions as to how people do that? Because I mean, I've talked about this before, about you know the happiness studies that have shown that it takes five positive interactions to outweigh one negative one. That's how powerful that negativity bias is. And you know some you know I mean some of the things that I've suggested to my clients is to find you know at least three things that your partner did for did today, whether it's for you or for the family or whatever. 
um, that you can be grateful for and you can thank them for? Do you have other things that you suggest to your clients to, to you know, shift what you that just suggested, bias? Leslie, is so powerful. What you just suggested is noticing the good that the partner brings and expressing that to them is so powerful that if you only did one thing different, that's all it would need to be, especially for a woman to a man, right? I Mm -hmm. don't know. Women are more complicated. Every woman is something different to please her in many ways. But from from a woman's point of view, if she just starts noticing things that she respects, admires, appreciates, finds strong ways he shows her love that he loves her if she just starts appreciating those that in itself could cause almost all the relationship grievances to go away plus as a brilliant bonus she finds herself more attracted to him Mm -hmm. so whereas a woman has low desire which is 40 percent of women suffer from low desire at a you know certain certainly certain times of the month let alone you know as a chronic condition right she feels more desire when she starts noticing how attractive her husband is, how sweet he is. So it gets kills bird two birds <laughs> with one stone. So you talk about women being more complicated in, in what they want. So can you expand on that, that a little bit? Because it's like, you know, sorry, I just had the, you know, high, you know, HMU high maintenance unit <laughs> flash through my head. Are, are, what is that about? Is that strictly biological or is there more to it than that? And the reason why I'm saying that is because one of the phrases that gets me absolutely insane is happy wife, happy life. And it's corollary. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, which to me gives, it really shifts the, what should be an equivalent relationship to be very one-sided. You don't think there's truth in those expressions? I think I I think it my my issue with those expressions is it kind of the way it takes the responsibility of the woman off of making herself happy. Oh, it, you it, think it's it's saying that the man has to do has to make her happy. Yep. Okay, that's how you I mean it doesn't actually say that. Does no. It? it doesn't, but I think but that's but that's kind of the way it's been interpreted. I actually like the fact that it shows that men are happy. If my wife is happy, I'm a happy man. You know, that kind of shows a little bit of the simplicity mm-hmm. of men. If my wife is happy and I'm getting lots of juicy, connected, loving sex. Right. There. That's almost, <laughs> but then, that's, it's, but, that's almost how simple it is for most men. Oh, I, well, except for the fact that if she if, if she's angry, and, and by the way, I, I need to be very clear that there, there are some guys out there that are not good guys that really are, don't treat their wives well. I'm not talking to those guys. Right. We're not talking to those. I'm not either. I screen those out. I actually yeah. say, I can't work with you. If you have a husband that's physically abusive, that's actively addicted, or mm-hmm. um, I forget what third is. Right. Three. Abuse, addiction, or incapable of being faithful, right. then he's not a good guy, right? right. Then, then we can't change character. But right. most men are good men, but they don't show up good because they're unhappily married. They might right. not show up nice, but if he was nice at the beginning and he was faithful for mm-hmm. a dozens of years and all this stuff, he's still that guy. He's just unhappily married now. Right. 
And so, you know, and so, but what, but what I hear when that, when that expression is used, that it then becomes his job, that if she's not happy, it's his fault. He needs to, he needs to do whatever she wants him to do um, so that she's happy, except then of course he's miserable. Um, I totally hear that. I think I used to, before I became a specialist in positive psychology and helping women to show up happier, to make their marriage happier. I think I would have heard that exactly the same way. Okay. That if you don't make your wife happy, you're going to be miserable. And right. that, that kind of implies a control, right? That she has all the control and you are subservient to making mm-hmm. her happy, which is going to create a terrible dynamic in the marriage because men don't like to be told what to do by their women necessarily either. Sure. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, then he's unhappy. Right. So, right. So you're right. I I also hear it that way too. Yeah. I mean, so, so it is this dynamic and, you know, it's one of those things that I go back to the marriage vows and it's like, (laughs) I have yet to be at a wedding and I, and granted, I have not been at a wedding in a while. So I'm going to put that out there. Well, actually two years ago at my own daughter's wedding, I was, that's the thing, the last, the wedding I was at, but um, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, I promise to do all of these things as long as you do too. It's like both people are standing up there promising to love, honor, cherish, and whatever else they're promising because, and they're not keeping their word. You know, I'm not, I'm not showing up in that way. I am not being, you know, I'm not honoring and cherishing and respecting and loving you, (laughs) whether, whether I'm the husband or the wife. Right. And it's like, you know, that's where I think people need to go. It's like, okay, you said these things, are you living them? And, and they'll go, well, but my partner said, okay, I get your partner's not doing that. <laughs> but what if you started doing that? Because it goes to what you said earlier about when I show up in a, in a, diff, in a different way, then my, that gives my partner permission to show up in that same positive, different way, does it not? Somebody just has to go first. So because I work with the woman and you work with the man, you help Mm -hmm. the man go first. I help the woman go first. And they, and I do get a lot of resistance. Like, why should I do this? I'm like, somebody needs to go first, but don't worry. A good man Mm -hmm. reciprocates in a very short time. A good man reciprocates. And pretty soon you have him eating out of your hands. I mean, I just had a, one of my clients post in my Facebook group. I have a Facebook group and I call it more intimacy in marriage for women. And she posted that like her little daughter had asked, mommy, what's going on with this? Daddy's following you around like a puppy dog. (laughs) (laughs) She started showing up playful. You know, she'd never really learned how to flirt, how to Mm -hmm. be playful, how to be his woman. Women don't learn that nowadays. They're taught Mm -hmm. like, you know, I mean, be in your masculine, go make a success in business and things like that. And they forget how much their husband actually craves them showing up feminine. Mm -hmm. And so she started showing up more feminine, making love more often. And he's following around like a puppy dog. And, and, you know, and when people hear that, I, I, I know that sets some people's teeth on edge but it's actually incredibly empowering. Yeah. Stepping into your feminine does not mean you are weak at all. <laughs> and I right. think that that's what people get, you know, or, or excuse me, they miss is that being, being in your feminine does not, especially as a woman, does not make you weak. I don't think it makes you weak as a man either, but 
but it definitely doesn't make you weak as, as, as a yeah, woman. It gets you to your goal, which is your goal is you want to be adored by your man. Don't you? Right. And number two, there's another thing, which is when you are nice to the person you love or to anybody, you feel better about yourself. Yeah. Everybody's on this self-esteem bandwagon. You know, it's a great way to get to self-esteem. The biggest shortcut in the world, be adored by your man and do good things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm right there with you, Debbie. That so so, if if you're talking to somebody who's who is like, well, why do I have to do this? And what about my partner? Um, and, you know, and and I know you said to focus on the goal, but other other than finding the positives, which we talked about a little bit earlier, is there anything else you recommend? Well, I can say what I don't recommend, which is you think the answer is dragging his butt to marriage counseling. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not going to thank you for it. He's going to resent you for it because if he already has a hard time talking about his feelings and being vulnerable and he can't stand criticism from you, what is, what do you think marriage counseling is? You drag him in and point to him and say, change him. Right. Fix him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And usually, usually when I get that, I, I respectfully say he's not broken. And, and by the way, neither is she. I mean, we, we're not broken. We're just creatures of habit. And if our habits aren't getting us what they want or what we want, then it's sort of like, do we still want to be doing that? I don't know. doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me, but that's just me. Um, so Debbie, where can people learn more about you, what you do, um, how, to, how to figure out how to become more happy, more positive, more loving towards each other? Yeah. So, you know, I'm an, I'm an intimacy specialist for women. So that means I can coach, you know, nationwide, internationally, and even in fact, so it's not therapy. So it's not local to Colorado. So my website is called moreintimacy.net. And I chose the word more intimacy because I know that most women, when they hear the word intimacy, they're like, that's what I want. Mm -hmm. Emotional closeness. I want, you know, this, this wonderful connectedness, quality time, sharing, et cetera. Ask a man, what does the word intimacy mean to you and he's like sex mm -hmm. and we can't help the way we were made we were right. made differently you know for a man into being inside of his woman is the most intimate thing he can do and you know what once he's been with you that's when his heart really opens up mm -hmm. you know men are warriors they go through life hiding their feelings and this is often what it takes to get there to get them to be loving mm -hmm. and caring and emotional so that's why i picked the the title more intimacy Net. So women can find me at more intimacy um, or in my Facebook group. Right. And mm -hmm. I have a couple of different programs. One is based upon getting the relationship feeling safe and loving for both parties, mm -hmm. right. Be your husband's girlfriend. And then I'm also a female sexuality specialist. And my emphasis is, Hey, just because you're not enjoying your sex life, doesn't mean you are broken. Doesn't mean you are alone. Female sexuality is complicated. And I published some articles on the seven things that women need for great sex lives. And that's a lot, right? What does men need? A woman to show up. <laughs> <laughs> a willing woman, right? Right. But what does a woman need? Listen, what we need, we need knowledge, Leslie. We uh -huh. need to know what it is that we like even, right? And every woman's different and it changes throughout the month and throughout the years, right? We need yes. knowledge. We need to 
emotional connection. We need to feel safe and cherished, right? We need worthiness and confidence. We need to get over our body image issues and our good girls don't and celebrate being sexual beings. Uh We need time. It takes us twice as much time to warm up or wait more than that than a man. And we need to prioritize our love life. We need embodiment. Uh We're we're distracted by our own minds, our judgment, our anxiety. We're up in our heads. Yes. So we need to learn how to get into our body. Oh my gosh, there's so many. I'm not even done with the list now. We need sexual fitness, right? We need blood flow. We need tone. We need to get rid of pain. Uh And we need creativity because bedroom boredom infects us both. Phew, that's a lot of things. (laughs) No wonder. No wonder it's complicated. It certainly is. Debbie, I want to thank you so, so much for sharing all of that because- you know, the best marriages relationships are about intimacy, not just sex, although that's part of it. And when that isn't present, they suffer. And it can be really devastating to be rejected, whether you're a man or a woman, it hurts. And in fact, it actually kills love. So the question I have is what do you need to do to make sure that isn't happening in your marriage? And I hope one of the things that you will do, well, the first one is to go get that information from Debbie. And the second one is to keep listening to this show. And until next week, stay loving.